This message is not to whom it may concern. It is to you. It has your name and address on it. And God wants you to serve and to minister. You have been called into the ministry. I'm going to give you six areas where you need to minister. They're going to come right out of these two chapters. And I want you to ask yourself this question as we come to each of these six areas. Uh, God, am I willing that you would minister through me this way? Adrian Rogers' unique ability to apply biblical truth to everyday life was one of the many things that made him such a remarkable pastor, Bible teacher, and writer. And today, he'll be bringing that uniqueness to this study from God's Word. Have your Bibles open and join us for this powerful message. And if you are encouraged by today's message, remember, you can stream this message again and download outlines, notes, a transcript, and other resources to go along with this message, all at lwf.org. Now, let's join Adrian Rogers. Take God's Word and be finding, if you would please, uh, Romans chapter 15. And when you found it, look up here. And uh, let me tell you that when I look at a congregation like this, and I think of the thousands that are here under this one roof, I feel very much like Ben Franklin must have felt when he saw that lightning and thought, oh, if I could only harness that. You know, one of the problems in Christianity is this, that we think when we come to God and sit in a worship service on Sunday morning that somehow we've done God a wild favor. <laughs> I mean, we have the idea that this is somehow what God requires of us and that we have fulfilled our duties and our obligations to God when we come and sit and sing and listen to a sermon. And so we sit soaked and sour. But God did not call us to sit to soak and to sour, but to serve. Now look up here and I want to tell you something. If you are saved, you're saved to serve. Say amen. Listen, you, my precious and sweet friend, have been called into the ministry. Now, not in the sense that uh, I am a minister or pastor of, of this church, but all of us are called to be ministers and servants of the Lord Jesus. Now, we're going to be looking at two chapters today, so we're only going to be able to take the highlights out of these two chapters. But I want you to find the key word in these two chapters. You're in Romans chapter 15. Look, if you will, in verse 8. Now, I say that Jesus Christ was a minister. Do you see that? Okay. Now, look, if you will, in verse 16. Paul says that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ. Now, look, if you will, over in uh, verse 25. But now I go unto Jerusalem to minister unto the saints. Now look down in verse 30, 31, that I may be delivered from them that do not believe in Judea, that my service, and by the way, this is exactly the same Greek word as minister right here, that my ministry, which I have for Jerusalem, may be accepted of the saints. Now look, if you will, in chapter 16 and verse 1, I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant, and the word here literally means minister. It's the same word of the church, which is at Sincrea. Now, what is the theme here? It is ministry, 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 ministry. Every member is a minister. Now, Bellevue Baptist Church has a mission statement. Are you ready for it? For the purpose, number one, of magnifying Jesus through worship and the word. We're here to give Jesus Christ glory and honor. Number two, making Jesus known to our neighbors and to the nations, here and abroad. 
That's why we're here. Number three, moving believers in Jesus toward maturity and ministry. See, we exist to help you to grow up so that you can serve. That's what we exist for. Now, folks, there is no such thing as an inactive church member. That, 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 that's impossibility. That's an impossibility. Every church member is active. Either he's building up or he's tearing down. <laughs> but he's active. Either he's a part of the team and helping, or he's not a part of the team and he's hurting. And you say, Pastor, is that true? Yes, it is true. In, in, uh, in the book of Matthew, chapter 12 and verse 30, the Lord Jesus, uh, uh, Jesus said, listen to me, he that is not with me is against me. And he that gathers not with me scattereth abroad. Every member of this church is gathering or scattering. Every member of this church is working with the Lord Jesus or working against the Lord Jesus. Now, having said that, let me tell you again, nobody is excluded. If you are a member of this church, this message is not to whom it may concern. It is to you. It has your name and address on it. And God wants you to serve and to minister. You have been called into the ministry. I'm going to give you six areas where you need to minister. They're going to come right out of these two chapters. And I want you to ask yourself this question as we come to each of these six areas. Uh, God, am I willing that you would minister through me this way? Now, first of all, the very first ministry that I want you to look at is the ministry of encouragement. The ministry of encouragement. Now, in chapter 15, let's read the first seven verses. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. And not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. For even Christ pleased not himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproach thee fell on me. Jesus was willing to suffer for the Father. That's what that means. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. That is the Old Testament scriptures. Now watch it. That we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now watch verse 5. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Jesus, or according to Christ Jesus, that ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore receive ye one another as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Now the key to this, these seven verses is verse 5. The God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded. The word consolation here is a word that we don't use much in modern English today, but there is a word that we do use a lot, and it's the word encouragement, and it's exactly the same word. He is the God of encouragement. And what he is saying in these seven verses is that we need to encourage one another. Now, if you're a strong Christian, according to verse 1, you are to encourage the weak Christian. You're not here to please yourself. This church does not exist to make you happy. Sometimes a choir might meet sometime and they would say, well, when's the best time to have choir practice? And someone will say, now let me see. Uh, if we did it at this time, this hour, no, that's when I bowl. Or someone would say, no, that's when I have children in school. And so I choose the time that's going to be best for me. Well, if the time is going to be best for you is not going to be the best time for everybody else, then you need to give up the time that's best for you. That's what he's saying. You don't please yourself. You don't put yourself number one. 
Uh, the Salvation Army has done so much good. I thank God for the Salvation Army. William Booth started with the poor in London and started the Salvation Army. When William Booth got to be a very old man, they were having a convention of the Salvation Army. And they wanted William Booth to come and speak. And he couldn't come and speak. He was too weak, too old, too feeble. And he was on his sick bed. And so they said, well, would you send us a telegram? Just send us a telegram. And he said, yes, I will. And he sent a one-word telegram. Just one word in that telegram. What do you think it was? It was the word others. Others. We don't please ourselves. That's what he's saying. Uh, verse 2, let every one of us please his neighbor for his good unto edification. You see, when we do this, this is what brings us together. Now watch verse 5. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus. The devil would rather start a church for us than sell a barrel of whiskey. Amen? God wants us to be together. God wants us to encourage one another, to lift up one another. C.S. Lewis, a brilliant Britisher, a literary genius, wrote a book about how the devil works. And he called that, uh, that book the Screwtape Letters. Screwtape is the name that C.S. Lewis gave to the devil. And uh, he talked about the devil's nephew who was called Wormwood. <laughs> he was a, a demon of the of uh, uh, the nephew of Satan. And uh, Wormwood and uh, Screwtape are talking about how they can sabotage the work of God. And they get to talking about the church. And here is what Screwtape, the devil, says to Wormwood. Just listen to this. Quote, the church is a fertile field if you just keep them bickering over details, structure, organization, money, property, personal hurts, and misunderstandings. One thing you must prevent, don't let them ever look up and see the banners flying. For if they ever see the banners flying, you've lost them forever. What he's saying is just keep them picking at one another. Just keep them criticizing one another. Never let them see the glory of God. Because, wormwood, if you do that, you've lost them. Folks, what we need to do today is to get our eyes on the glory of God and begin to love and serve one another. Did you know in 1917, the bishops of the church, the Orthodox Church in Russia, were having a, a convocation. And they were having a heated debate. And they were, the bishops and the leaders were fussing and fighting, and feuding, going back and forth, back and forth. Just a few doors down the street in 1917, the Bolsheviks were meeting. They were plotting the overthrow of the Tsar. They were plotting a revolution. They were planning and plotting the thing that we have called communism that has hurt, killed, maimed, damned so many souls. They were planning and plotting a diabolical scheme. But over here, the bishops were debating. Now, just what was it that the bishops were debating during this whole time? It was rot. It was whether or not they were going to use 18-inch candles or 22-inch candles. 
That's what the debate was about. While the empire was crumbling around them. Now, folks, let me tell you. You and I need to be in a ministry of encouragement. There's not a mother's child in this building that doesn't need encouragement. We are to encourage one another. The God of all consolation, He has been patient with us, and we need to be patient with one another. I need patience. You need patience. Let me say something. If you're a guest today, and you came to this church to find something to criticize, you can find plenty to criticize, and if you don't know enough, come see me, and I can tell you some more. And I'm going to tell you something else. If you want to criticize, you can start with a man in the pulpit. Because I have many things. Don't come tell me I won't tell you any more of those. No, no, no. Listen, folks. If you want to come to a church like this and find a blessing, I'll guarantee you, you'll find a blessing. You want a blessing? You want God to bless you? This place is full of blessings. It all depends on what you want to look for. People need encouragement. Some people think they have the gift of criticism. One pastor said, Brother Brown, would you please stand and lead us in a word of criticism? People need to be encouraged. Everybody's hurting. There's a heartache. There's a tear on every pew. You want to minister? See the banners flying. Get your eyes on Jesus. Put your arm around a brother or sister and help them on. That's the ministry of encouragement. Would you say, God, give me the ministry of encouragement? Don't say it out loud, but say it. Second ministry. You've been called not only to the ministry of encouragement, but you've been called to the ministry of evangelism. Look, if you will, in chapter 15, verse 8. Now, I say that Jesus was a minister of the circumcision. When he says the circumcision, that's a term for the Jewish nation, uh, was a minister to the Jews for the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto the fathers. Jesus came to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Jesus came to bring that Jewish nation to saving faith in him. That's why he came. Not that the Jews alone would be saved, but through them all of the nations of the world should be blessed. The Bible says in John chapter 4 that salvation is of the Jews. And so it came through a Jewish Messiah. We have the Jewish scriptures. And, and God brought this message to those early followers that they might be a blessing to the Gentiles. Now notice, notice we're talking about evangelism. Jesus came as an evangelist to seek and to save that which is lost. And now look, if you will, in verse 16. Paul says that he did this, that I should be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. Now, Paul says uh, Jesus came to minister, that is, through evangelism. And now he has given me the ministry of evangelism, and Paul became the great evangelist uh, to the Jews. And uh, what Paul is saying that as Jesus Christ came and set an example to minister, and as I came uh, to minister to the Gentiles, every child of God has been called, saved to serve, and saved to win, uh, to bring souls to Jesus Christ. Now, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but I want you to look up here, and I want you to listen to me very uh, carefully about what I'm about to say. If you're a member of this church, I don't care how faithfully you attend. I care not how beautifully you sing. How eloquently you teach. 
how liberally you give, how circumspectly you walk, if you're not endeavoring to bring souls to Jesus Christ, you're not right with God. I'm just telling you, you are not right with God. You are not right with God. You are not right with God. You are guilty of high treason against heaven's king. You have been called to minister. You have been called to bring souls bound in the golden chains of the gospel and bring them and lay them at Jesus' feet. Don't you boast about your salvation. Don't you boast about your piety. Don't you boast about your spiritfulness. Don't you tell me about your spiritual gifts if you're not endeavoring to bring souls to Jesus Christ. What right do you have to call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ if your business is not his business? And what is his business? The Son of God came to seek and to save that which is lost. Do you know what a headhunter is? Mark, I know you know. In business... When a company needs an executive, a CEO, a some high-level executive, they're very hard to find people like this. And so they have professions, people who seek out professional people, professionals who find professionals. In the business, they call them headhunters. And one headhunter was saying this, a very interesting story. He said, the way I look at an executive to find out what he really is like, because so many times all of us put up fronts. He says, I go into the man's office, and after we've talked a while, I said, then we begin to have some small talk. He said, we begin to talk about sports. We begin to talk about the weather. We begin to talk about travel. He says, I pull off my coat. I loosen my tie. I may even put my feet up on the coffee table, and we just talk for a while, and we get to laughing. And we may be having coffee or whatever. Just very relaxed. And then he says, when the man is disarmed, when he's not thinking, when he's not all prepared, I lean over and I look him right in the eye. And I say, tell me, what is the motivating purpose of your life? He's not prepared for the answer. I mean, he's, he's just right there. What is the motivating purpose of your life? And he said, many times these executives just kind of come apart. They don't know what to say. He said, I asked that question to one man. I looked him in the eye, got sober. I said, Bob, what is the motivating purpose of your life? He said he didn't hesitate. He said to go to heaven and take as many with me as I can. Well, I like that. That's the motivating purpose of my life, to go to heaven and to take as many people with me as I can. Would you pray? Oh, pray it. Mean it. Mean it. Don't just say it, but mean it. Lord, lay some soul upon my heart and win that soul through me. You can't win an adult, win a child. If you can't win your neighbor, win somebody else's neighbor. If you can't win somebody in your family, win somebody in somebody else's family. If you can't bring a soul to Jesus, help somebody else to bring a soul to Jesus. Third ministry you need to be a part of. Now, folks, you've been called into the ministry. There's the ministry of encouragement. There's the ministry of evangelism. Now, I don't think I'm going to hear much shouting on this next point, but there's the ministry of giving. <laughs> the ministry of giving. Look, if you will, in chapter 15 now uh, and uh, begin reading in verse 25. 
Paul said, but now I go to Jerusalem to minister unto the saints. For it hath pleased them of Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor saints which are at Jerusalem. And it hath pleased them verily. And their debtors they are. For if the Gentiles have been made partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister unto them in carnal things. The word carnal means fleshly things. Now, here's the whole point. The, the, the Gentiles in Greece had taken a love offering. And the love offering was for the Jews in Jerusalem. And Paul says, look, they didn't mind doing that. They were happy to do that. Because the uh, salvation is of the Jews. They had received an incredible spiritual blessing from the Jews. So he said, why, if they have blessed so much, if, if they've blessed so much, why should we, we not take our material things, our mundane things, and help them when they are in need? Now, there are different kinds of offerings for different kinds of needs. But service to God is giving. It is the ministry. Here's He calls it here the ministry, the ministry of giving. Now, when... when uh, when we come to the close of this service, we're going to receive an offering. We do it every every Sunday. Well, that's that's worship to God. It's also ministry. We're not just taking an offering. It's not a mere contribution. It represents a spiritual debt. Paul said, we do it because we're debtors. Did you know every one of us is in debt? I mean, we're in debt. I'm not talking about what you owe the credit card company. We're in debt. You're sitting on a chair. Where did it come from? There's a light shining down on your head. Where did that come from? There's a sound system here that's helping you to see here. Uh, how did that happen? The roof that's over your head. All of the ministry, all of the accoutrements, all of the blessings here. Where did that come from? Somebody did it for you. Somebody, do you think this all just floated down out of heaven? Where'd it come from? I am telling you, dear friend, the blood, sweat, tears, prayer, faith, and sacrifice of people have provided what we enjoy today. We're debtors. We're debtors to the founders of this church. We're debtors to the apostles who suffered the martyrs of the faith. We are debtors to Jesus Christ and his precious shed blood. How can we sit in a service and fail to want to give as unto our great God? Because if we've been so blessed spiritually, should it pain us that we give some of what we can't keep anyway? Think about it. Some people, again, they think they've done God a wild favor if they give a little bit of money. He dropped a dollar in the plate and sung with might and main. When we asunder part, it gives us inward pain. No. No. What a joy it is to give. In Kansas, I was reading about a man in, in Kansas, in Lincoln, Kansas. His name uh, was Davis. He was a farmer. And Davis was started out as a farmhand, but he was very frugal, very hardworking man. And old farmer Davis accrued a little fortune. Now, he married a woman, and uh, his 
his in-laws didn't want him to marry that woman because they felt that she was marrying beneath uh, her uh, status in life and beneath her level, her social equal. And so they began to be against everybody. But old Davis collected some money. As a matter of fact, he amassed a small fortune. And uh, people would say to Davis, what, what are you going to do with that money? Uh, why don't you build a municipal swimming pool? Why don't you uh, help in the orphanage? He said, this community ain't done nothing for me. I ain't going to do nothing for it. And he said, my in-law's not going to get one dime of what I have. Davis' wife died, and he built a monument to her and to him. It was a love bench, a, a, a statue. He's sitting on one side. She's sitting on the other side of it. A very impressive uh, monument. And he liked that monument so much that he got a sculptor to come and build another monument. This was a monument of himself kneeling at his wife's grave. And then he liked that one so much, he commissioned this man to build another monument. This time, a monument of his wife, who's already gone to heaven, kneeling at his grave where he would be buried. And since she was in heaven, he had wings put on her. And then he lost his fortune. Somehow, things reversed on him. He became almost penniless. And he died in the poorhouse. And when he had a funeral, nobody came. Just a small handful of people, just enough to stick him in the ground by his monuments. Oh, there was one person who came, a Mr. England, who had built all those monuments. <laughs> the man who had collected all of his money to build those monuments. And Brother Jim, in the story I read, the sad thing it is, is this. That those monuments now are sinking down into the soil of Kansas. And before long, they're going to be buried. And nobody will see his old monuments anyway. He died broken, bitter, penniless and hated because he lived for himself and himself alone. You're going to leave some kind of a monument. You know one thing that bothers me? We are about ready to have a great transfer of wealth. I mean, there's a generation who has amassed a lot of money. Some of you listening by television, you have money. You don't know what you're going to do with it. You're going to go. The government's going to get a lot of it. Your kids are going to get a lot of it. They're going to get divorced. They're going to fight over it. They're going to be at one another's throat. You're going to ruin them. You better start investing in something that's going to count. They say you can't take your money to heaven. Oh, yes, you can. If you'll invest it in something going to heaven, the only thing I know going to heaven is the souls of men. But I'm going to tell you something, friend. All that you're going to hold in your cold, dead hand is what you've given away. That's it. You cannot take it with you. Maxie Jarman, businessman, you know Jarman Shoes. Gave away so much money. He gave away money. And then finally had a financial reverse. And, and somebody said to him, uh, uh, Maxie, all of the money that you gave away, now that you've have, you're having these difficulties, do you ever think about that money? He said, oh, yes, praise God. He said, that's the only thing I have left. 
<laughs> you see, that you can't lose. We watch you invest in souls. There is a ministry. It is a ministry of giving. Would you say, oh God, give me the ministry of encouragement. Oh God, give me the ministry of evangelism. Oh God, give me the ministry of giving. Now here's another ministry. And you, you've been called to this ministry. It's the ministry of prayer. Look, if you will, now in chapter 15 and verse 30. Paul says, now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake. Now notice, notice, this is not just to help build the church, not just for Paul's sake. For the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit that ye strive together with me in your prayers to God for me that I may be delivered from them that do not believe in Judea and that my service, there's the word again, which I have for Jerusalem may be accepted of the saints. Paul says, listen, I minister. I am going uh, to, to minister. But he says, I have enemies. I need protection. And I need reception. Would you pray that I would be delivered and that I would be received? Would you pray? Folks, Prayer is a ministry. Prayer is not getting ready to serve. Prayer is service. Uh, you, you can do more than pray after you've prayed, but you really can't do much more than pray until you've prayed. And some of you say, Pastor, I, I don't have much money to give. And it's, it's, it's kind of hard for me uh, to encourage other people because I don't get around other people very much. The one thing you can do, you can pray. I was, I was preaching a revival meeting in, as a youngster in, uh, in Jacksonville, Florida. And I was with a boy named Ernie Harvey. He and I were in college together. It was his home church. And uh, Ernie said, uh, Adrian, I'd like for you to meet my mother. So I never met Mrs. Harvey. Ernie, a big old tall strapping uh, athlete, he and I played ball together. I went up uh, to meet Ernie's mother. We went up to a little tenement, a little flat, threadbare, on the backside there, very poor. This little woman came out, and she was she had crippling arthritis. Her hands were very puffy. Her joints were swollen. Her knees were swollen. She could hardly stand up straight. She she looked like an angel in the face, but uh, a devastating case of crippling arthritis. And we visited with her. And then she said, boys, how did the revival go last night? And I was the young evangelist going to college to play football and full of myself and thinking I'm more important than I was. But she said, boys, how was the meeting last night? I said, wonderful. Wonderful. God came down. It was glorious. And I began to tell her all the things that happened. The tears popped out of her eyes. She said, I knew it. I knew it. She said, Adrian, the whole time you were preaching, I was on my knees praying for you. I thought, oh, God. Adrian, you numbskull. You ignoramus. You lout. Look at that little body. What pain it must be for her, even for this lady, even to get on her knees. But what a ministry you've been called into 
the ministry. Now here, time is gone, but let me just quickly tell you what the next ministry is. It's the ministry of fellowship. Look in chapter 16, verse 1. I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant, a minister of the church, which is at Sincrea. And then Paul lists in this 16th chapter 26 different people. Not only was Paul a soul winner, but he was a friend maker. And, and he tells us how that we are to minister. And I just, I'm just going to read the headings. In verse 2, we minister by receiving people. In verse 3, we minister by greeting people. In verse 5, we minister by loving people. In verse 6, we minister by helping people. In verse 7, we minister by honoring people. In verses 17 through 18, we minister by guarding the fellowship against all kinds of, of false doctrine that our fellowship might be pure. I wish I had more time to talk on that, on that uh, subject, but... Uh, you didn't listen fast enough. So now here's the, here's the sixth way. Here's the sixth way now that we're to minister. Not only the ministry of fellowship by loving one another and oh how sweet it is, how good it is for brothers and sisters to dwell together in fellowship and may you understand that we are to love, receive, greet, encourage, honor one another. And then the last of all, there's a ministry of worship. Look, if you will, I save the best for the last. That's what we've been doing today. Chapter 16, verses uh, 26, uh, 25 through the end. Here's the bottom line. I mean, Paul has given us the book of Romans. Now, here's the book of Romans. I mean, this is the constitution of Christianity. This is the greatest treatise ever written on the faith. If I had to be shipwrecked, I'd want to be shipwrecked with nothing else to read. I'd want the, if you could just give me the book of Romans. But now let's get to the bottom line. I mean the bottom line of the bottom line. Here it is. Now to him that is a power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the everlasting God made known to all nations for the obedience of faith to God. Only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. That's it. That is it. To God be the glory through Jesus Christ. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Friend, we need to stop moaning and groaning about Living in the last days. There's never been a greater day, a greater age to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Old Vance Havner said, I'm proud of the business I'm in and the company I work for. The president is God's son. And his office door is always open so that a country preacher like myself can walk in day or night and talk to the boss. I have stock in the company. And I have been cashing dividends for over 60 years. I've made my investment where banks don't break. That is moth-proof, rust-proof, where thieves do not break through and steal. I'm not just a member of the firm. My father is the head of it, and I am a member of the family. My bank can't fall. My business can't fail because I am a laborer with God. Isn't that good? All right, now, folks, look up here. Look right here. I want you to say out loud, 
Repeat after me. I have been called. That was so weak. Repeat after me. I have been called into the ministry. I am saved to serve. I am saved to serve. God make me a servant. God make me a minister. And God help me not to lie. <laughs> in what you just said. Now look, folks. God, God has called you. God is calling us. You look around, look around. Think what will happen if all of us really begin to minister. We'll turn this place upside down and inside out for Jesus Christ. Enough people in this room, friend, to change the world for Jesus. We just, we just understand that we've been saved to serve. God has called you into the ministry. You don't just sit soaking sour, but serve. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father God, I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that you will anoint the members of this church, not this church corporately, though I want you to bless it corporately, but Lord, bless it corporately by blessing it individually. Lord, that as individuals, each one of us, uh, varying in gifts and abilities, might know, dear Lord, that these six ministries are ministries that each of us in our own way can do. Now, while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I want to help you to get it settled right now today. I want to help you to pray to receive Jesus Christ. Would you pray a prayer like this? Dear God, I'm a sinner. My sin deserves judgment, but I want mercy. God, I know that you love me. I know that you want to save me. Thank you for loving a sinner like me, like I am. And Lord, I believe that Jesus Christ is your son. I believe that he paid for my sin with his blood on the cross. I believe that you raised him from the dead. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. And now, pray this, now... Pray it with your heart now, right now. I receive you as my Lord and Savior right now. This moment, right now, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I turn from my sin. I crown you Lord of my life. And by your grace and for your glory, I will follow you all the days of my life. If you will only help me. In your name I pray. Amen. Friend, may I have another moment of your time. If you prayed and asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart, and as best you know, you have given all you know of you to all you know of Jesus, I rejoice with you. And I would rejoice all the more if you would uh, write to us and let us know. What, what a thrill it is to know that people are coming to Jesus Christ, and we will send you some literature, no cost, free. We'll be happy to send it to you if you just... Write us and let us know that you have become a believer in Jesus Christ. This literature will help you to get a solid start in your Christian life. We hope that today's message has been an encouragement to you as we've studied God's Word together. 
For more resources from Adrian Rogers, including copies or downloads of this message, as well as Pastor Rogers' outline, notes, or a complete transcript of the message, please visit our website, lwf.org. You can also check out the complete series available through our online store. At lwf.org, you can also sign up to receive daily devotionals from Adrian Rogers, delivered directly to your computer or mobile device each morning. And if you would like to learn more about who Jesus is, we hope you'll visit the Discover Jesus link on our homepage. Or if you're looking for some inspiration or encouragement to get you through the week, check us out on social media at LWF Ministries. Join us next time as Adrian Rogers brings us more profound truth, simply stated, with another powerful message from God's Word. Thanks for joining us for today's program. We'll see you next time. The Christmas message is, Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. 2,000 years ago, the world waited in anticipation for the Messiah to come. Inspired by the teachings of Adrian Rogers, Love Worth Finding has a powerful new resource that will lead you in an Advent study of the prophecies that Jesus fulfilled when he came to earth. With a daily selection of readings and questions, this hardcover edition of 25 Days of Anticipation is a mini Bible study that is sure to enrich your Advent season. Request the book 25 Days of Anticipation when you call with a gift, 1-800-647-9400. Or you can give online at lwf.org. Enter the Christmas season equipped with this study that is sure to draw you closer to Emmanuel, God with us. Call or go online today.